Church, good morning. I am, you guys can do better than that. Good morning. I am so excited to be in the house of the Lord today. You know, as the worship team was singing this morning, they took me back to the 90s when I was a kid with my Walkman, and I had like a yellow one, so it was bright, and I had my cassette with Michael W. Smith and Rich Mullins and Natalie Grant. I was waiting for the whole section on uh, when he rolled up his sleeves, he wasn't putting on the Ritz. I was really waiting for that part. But what an amazing team we have here. What amazing people we have who serve in all areas of ministry here. This morning is week two of our This Is Us series, and we're talking about We Serve. All right, before I get into the message for today, let's open in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for all that you've already done, Lord. We thank you for your word, Father. It is God breathed. It is inspired, Lord, so teach us by it, instruct us by it, Lord, so that we will be able to accomplish the good work that you've called each and every one of us here to do. In your mighty name I pray, amen. Max Lucado, at the beginning of his book, Just Like Jesus, makes this statement, which I believe is quite important. He says, God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to be just like Jesus, just like Jesus. Now, I'd say there's a statement you can take home with you. So let me repeat it again for you. God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to be just like Jesus. It was interesting, while I was researching for this sermon this week, I actually came across an article that said, if you wanted to smell like Jesus, there's a company in California that you can actually buy a scent that's made of, like, frankincense and these different spices, and you can smell like Jesus. I don't know about that one. (laughs) It was hilarious to me. But God loves you just the way you are. He wants you to be like Jesus. And, and sometimes I suspect we modern people hear only the first of those words that God loves you just the way you are. And that suits us just fine. See, we want God to accept us just as we are and then leave us alone. After all, it's uncomfortable to change. See, as long as God loves us just as we are, we've got it made. I think about sometimes our life as a cake, you know, and there are different ingredients that goes into a cake. And if we think about our lives as a cake that's being made, we have maybe family over here. If you're married, you have some kids over here. You have spouses. You have a career, hobbies. And we put all those things together, but then we just want to sprinkle a little bit of Jesus on top. But Max Licata's statement in many ways speaks to the truth of the whole gospel. Because when you accept Christ, as a matter of fact, we sang it this morning, it started just at salvation. There's a whole journey ahead of you. And so there's a lot of things that the Lord has for you in this life. And we'll be talking about those things this morning. 
So God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to be just like Jesus. And actually, this is Paul's message to the church at Philippi. I'll be reading from the book of Philippians, and we'll uh, open your Bibles there. We'll be reading from chapter 2. I'll do the first seven verses. It'll be up on the screen as well. But it says this. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love... If any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in Spirit and of one mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Five, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. It's good. It's very good stuff. And I'll need you to be more alive this morning because I'm very excited. You got to be excited about the word of God here. And so Paul is encouraging the church at Philippi. To live in harmony and humility, following the example of Christ. Be like Christ. He's saying to them, humble yourselves as he humbled himself. Be a servant as he became a servant. Have the same love. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. And if I was being honest, that stings a little, right? <laughs> Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And note that Paul's words are directed to a church. And I'd say a characteristic of a healthy church is that we humble ourselves and serve one another. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.20, it says we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Listen to that verse carefully. Created you, each and every one of you sitting in here, those of you hearing the sound of my voice online, those of you who are listening to this record at a later date, if you have committed yourself to Christ, if you have said, Lord, I surrender to you, come and be Lord of my, Savior, Lord of my life, be the Savior of my life, God has created you to do good works. God made you to make a difference. Do you know what this means? It tells me that what matters is not how long you live, but how you live your life. What matters is not the duration of your life, but the donation of your life. You are created to serve. God has given each one of us gifts and abilities that we are to use in his service. 1 Peter 4.10 puts it like this. Each one of us should use whatever gift he's received to serve Others, you were put here to serve God. And the way we serve God is by serving other people. 
See, we're all different. We all have different interests, different passions, different skills, different abilities and different talents. And there is a reason for that. God made you the way you are so you could do what he wants you to do. You are uniquely gifted. So how do you do that? Well, there are many ways you can do that, but I think I have a couple of things here that could probably help us with that. A couple of action steps. And I would say that the first thing you could probably consider is to identify your gifts and talents and offer them to the church. Whether it's singing, helping with Sunday school, or working behind the scenes, every role matters. But also, what does that look like in your family? What does that look like at your job? He has gifted you with unique things. The second thing I would say is volunteer for church events and outreach programs. And by doing so, you're being the visible representation of Jesus' love in our community. And before I go any further, could I just say that LifeSpring, you guys are amazing when it comes to serving. Like so many of you serve in so many ways. Like I know there have been people who have been here from 6 a.m. this morning getting things set up. But I also know that during this week there were people who are up late making these slides. There are also people who are up early planning the schedule for this morning's worship. So many of you serve in so many capacities. And I want to say thank you for the many ways in which you serve. 1 Peter 4.10, again, says each one of you or each one of us should use whatever gifts he receive, has received to serve others. Also, you know, about your gifts and talents that the Lord has blessed you with. It's not about the magnitude of the task, but the love and declaration with which it is done. And if we're going to fulfill this calling of serving like Jesus, then... There are three things that must be true of you and me. And these three things will make up my points this morning. So the first one of those three things is we must be ready to serve God. We must be ready to serve God. You're like, well, I'm ready. Well, let's get to it. So you may have a nine-to-five job, but serving God is not a nine-to-five proposition. Serving God is 24-7. You must always be ready to serve God. Proverbs 3.28 from the New Living Translation says, If you can help your neighbor now, don't say come back tomorrow and then I'll help you. Y'all not tracking with me. Did you hear what the scripture said? It said, if you can help your neighbor now, don't say come back tomorrow and then I'll help you. People who have a servant spirit, a servant heart are ready to serve at a moment's notice. And John Wesley, the theologian, lived by this motto all his life. He said, and some of you might even be familiar with this. He said, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, by all the ways you can, in all the places you can, and all the times you can, to all people you can, as long as ever you can. And friends, that is what it means, I'd say, to be ready to serve God. That covers, like, our whole lives right there. You know, I've been doing this thing, full-time ministry, that is, for over a decade now. And as long as that is, it's also been as short as it's been. But during my time of full-time ministry, I've found out that during that time... 
The greatest ability is availability, and without availability, any ability is wasted. The greatest ability is availability, and without availability, any ability, any talents, any gifts, anything the Lord has given you, any uniqueness He has put in you and placed in you is wasted ability if it is not being used in His service. And I know, as some of you are sitting here, some of you are listening to this, and you're probably thinking, I'm too busy with other things to serve. Well, I've got news for you. If you're too busy to serve God, you're not only too busy, you are far busier than God probably ever intended you to be. And you are probably too busy doing the wrong things. But you know what? Sometimes we can get so caught up and busy in doing even very good things that take us away from serving the Lord. The Bible says in the message translation, we just read this verse here, Philippians 2, 4, but I love how it says it in the message translation. It says, forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. (laughs) Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. The number one enemy to the ministry of serving is busyness. The number one enemy to the ministry of serving is busyness. And another reason we don't serve God, and the reason I say serve God, let me clarify that a bit, is because in reality, all service is unto Him. So another reason we don't serve God is related to the first one, busyness, that one I just listed. And you know what it is? We serve the wrong master. Jesus said in Luke 16, 13, No servant can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus didn't say you should not serve both God and money. He said you cannot serve both God and money. And let me clean up my thought process with that for you. See, we all got to work and we all need money and we all should be working to make money. But there also comes a time when you got to draw a line. And I didn't realize that rhyme. So let's go back to that. There comes a time when you got to draw a line and say, you know what? Working this much for X among of money that takes me away from fellowshipping with the body of Christ and from fellowshipping with my family is not worth it. Trust me, it's not worth it. It's not worth it, church. It's not worth your marriage. It's not worth a relationship with your kids. It's not worth your spiritual life. Like even if you're not serving, come to church and be in fellowship with the body of believers because you are edified and you might also edify someone by the word that the Lord gives you or by praying for that person. Let's not be too busy. Again, I'm not saying don't work hard. What I'm saying is don't let your aspirations to attain all these earthly things undermine God's purposes for your life. See, everybody serves somebody or something. If you want to fulfill God's purpose for your life, you had better make sure you serve the right God, the God of the Bible. You better make sure you serve the right thing. Otherwise, you're going to live a totally wasted life. 
You know, one of the unique things about being a pastor, being a minister, being in ministry is that I've stand at many bedside tables or been in many homes or rooms and spaces where I get to see people take their last breath or are in the last stages of their lives. And some of them both saved and unsaved. And I've also been in a lot of those situations where people just regret, man, I should have worked less and spent more time with the Lord. I should have done more to cultivate my relationship with Him. Church, do not get caught up attaining all these earthly things, all these very good things, and miss what the Lord has called you to and how He's called you to serve within His body. Amen? My second point for you today is this. We must be responsive to God's service. And let me tell you exactly what I mean by this. Ministry is not what you have to do for God. It's what we get to do for Him. In 1 Timothy 1.12, Paul talks about the ministry. And he says that God had given to him. And he makes this powerful statement. 1 Timothy 1.12, he says, How thankful I am to Jesus Christ, our Lord, for the power and strength he has given me. He trusted me and gave me his work to do. Paul did not look at his ministry as duty, but he looked at it as delight. He didn't look at it he looked at it as an opportunity to serve. He didn't look at it as a burden, but as a blessing. By the way, when I use the word minister or ministry, don't think of a pastor or a church staff member or someone who's paid by the church or part-time, whatever capacity or works full-time in the church. The Bible says that every believer is a minister. So anytime you serve God by serving others, you have become a minister and you're doing ministry. So those of you who are sitting in here listening to me, if you don't, you're not on staff at the church, wherever you are in your job, whatever you do wherever you go in the world whenever you speak to him you are a minister doing his ministry just want to clarify that we don't want to relegate those duties to those who serve in the church well who are paid by the church so paul did not look at his ministry as a duty but he looked at it as a delight he didn't look at the opportunity of service as a burden but as a blessing Psalm 102 says, serve the Lord with gladness. I want you to remember something about ministry. God does expect you to minister for him. And rightly so. God expects you to have a place of service. God expects you to serve in his church. God expects you to serve outside of these walls. God expects you to do something meaningful for others. And he not only looks at what you do. But he looks at the motive of how you do it and why you do it. By the way, while I'm in that neighborhood, may I tell you, I've seen this. I've come to see this and learn this in my time as a minister that there are only two kinds of believers, only two kinds of church members. There are grateful believers and griping believers. There's nothing wrong with constructive criticism either of God's pastor or God's church. But let's be honest, 99.9% of the time criticism is never meant to be constructive. It's meant to be destructive. I want you to think about something. 
Any time you spend in criticizing is time you could spend being grateful for what God has done. Any time you spend looking for the negative is time wasted that you could have used for the positive. I think Pastor Dan just talked about that a couple weeks ago about us being grateful as we go into this year. We want to be a grateful people. We want to be a thankful people. There are so many things that we can be thankful for. So when you see an opportunity to serve or when you see a job that needs to get done that no one is doing, be responsive. Even if it's not in your area of giftedness necessarily, be thankful that God has given you the opportunity. Be thankful that God has given you the strength, that he's given you the breath to express your love to him by serving him. Point three is this. We'll be done real early this morning. Hmm? Point three is this. We must be reliable in God's service. Another thing that has happened as a pastor, and I would say that this one hasn't happened in a long time, and I don't know why, but it's okay. I've had people ask me this question, and I'm like, this is a great question to ask your pastor or leader. As a pastor, what do you want to need from the people within the church? And man, I can pull out a long list like this. And I've given different answers over the years. I pray that people are reading their Bible. I pray that people are growing in their relationship with Christ. That we're showing Christ to the world. But I was working on this week's sermon. The following verse came to mind. Proverbs 20. Verse 6, it says, Many men tell about their own loving and good ways, but who can find a faithful man? That is what God is looking for in his church. Faithful servants. Do you know what faithfulness means? It means you don't give up. It means you don't quit. It means you finish the job. Jesus could say to his heavenly father in John 17, 4, I glorified you on earth by completing down to the last detail what you assigned me to do. Jesus didn't give up. He didn't give in. He didn't give out. He finished the job. And how awesome it would be for us saints to be able to say, however we go, if we're going slowly at the end, that we say, Lord, I accomplish all you call me to. Amen. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, The one thing required of servants is that they be faithful. Now think about that. That is the only thing God requires for you to be a servant. Faithfulness. Church, be faithful and just look and see how God will use you. Now, I want you to think about this next statement. Most of what we do in life doesn't matter. It isn't going to matter tomorrow. It isn't going to matter next week, next year, or the next decade. But any ministry you do for Jesus will matter for all eternity. And please, I'm not saying don't take care of your responsibilities. That's not what we're talking about there. Corinthians 15:58 says, Throw yourselves into the work of the Master, confident that nothing you do for Him is a waste of time or effort. You see that word there, nothing? That means not a zero zilch. You can't do anything for God, whether it's greeting people at the door, putting up and taking down a booth, singing to a baby, helping with snacks or communion, or whatever it may be for him that God doesn't see and that God is not going to reward you for. 
In fact, and you might want to write this one down, it is the work that we think is insignificant that makes possible the work we think is significant. If we were to take away the people who are teaching our children right now and rocking our babies right now and the people who just played in this band up here and the people who greeted you at the door and the people who put up these chairs and the people who are producing this video image and the people who are running the sound and who created this sli- these slides, we don't have service by definition of what we call a service. It doesn't happen. However, the fact of the matter is some of God's most anonymous servants are some of God's most important servants. What is your role? God has given you something to give back. He didn't bring you here to just sit and soak and sour. He brought you here to serve. God has uniquely gifted you to be part of his family. And the gifts and talents you possess were given to you to share with others. You are needed and you can make a difference. Let me tell you that again. You are needed. If you could just say that even this morning. I am needed. Repeat that to yourself right now. I just want to hear you say, I am needed. You are needed in the body of Christ. You have a place. You have a place. And I'll say this. If you would like to serve, let us know. And we will gladly help you find your place of ministry and point you in the direction of what it looks like to become part of a serving team here. Some of those requires more things than others. But come talk to us. What is your role? With that, let me just say with serving... If you're not careful, you will think a lot of these areas of service or jobs are unimportant, insignificant, or beneath your dignity. But the next time you're tempted to think that way, listen to this verse, Hebrews 6.10. God will not forget how hard you've worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other Christians. Now, I must start to wind down things here. So let's return to where we began. Philippians chapter 2. And I'll be reading verses 5 through 8. It says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearances as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. In many ways, verses 5 through 8 make up the greatest and most moving passage that Paul ever wrote about Jesus. But not only is this a vivid description of who Jesus is, it is a call to us. We are Christ's followers. 
in Jesus, we find the embodied self-giving of God to the persons and the self-giving of a person to other person. Jesus is the Lord who is servant and Jesus is the servant who is Lord. As the Lord who is servant, Jesus identifies with human life so as to establish a redemptive relationship. As servant who is Lord, Jesus calls us to acknowledge his lordship through our own servanthood. Paul introduces this great theological statement of who Jesus is to support his call to the Philippians to look out not only for their own interests, but also for the interests of others. And to me, his toughest word was in verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Another translation says, in lowliness of mind, let each other esteem another. Better than himself. And what stark contradiction that is to the rampant self-interest being expressed by most in our world. And dare I say in the church today even. See it is scathingly clear. The call of Christ is that our ultimate concern leaves no room for indulgent self-concern. Did you get that? The call of Jesus makes it clear that our ultimate concern leaves no room for self-indulgent self-concern. The call is to have the mind of Christ who emptied himself to become a servant. Friends, to live like Jesus is to love and serve one another and to lay down our life for the world. This is to say that our mission is twofold. Love for one another and love for the world for which Christ died. Jesus said, your attitude must be like my own in Matthew 20, 28. I did not come to be served, but to serve. If we are going to be like Jesus, then we need to serve like Jesus. And this will require much sacrifice, not just some sacrifice. When Jesus called his disciples to follow him, he required them to take up the cross of suffering. And cross is not a nice word. It is a harsh word. It is a splintery wood. The church no longer clings to an old rugged cross. I think at times we prefer to cling to the slick, silvery, or gold crosses that leave no splinters. But sacrifice and suffering are not options of serving him. Sacrifice is not an extra given for a few ecclesiasticals. It is at the very heart of what it means to follow Christ. Romans 15.3 tells us, For even Christ pleased not himself. Philippians 3.10 even refers to the fellowship of his sufferings. Romans 8.17 and 18 could not be more explicit. We share in his sufferings that we might share in his glory. Matthew 10.43-45 calls attention to an essential difference for those who call themselves Christ followers. This is what it says. It says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Friends, this is a poem we used to say as a kid. I I heard it when I was growing up. I thought how relevant for this morning. But 
we got to move away from the I like me, I love me, myself I do adore, and every day in every way I love me more and more. We got to move away from it. Pastor Dan says it's the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. And I have this feeling that if we, the body of Christ, serve like Jesus served, we would have to drive people away from our doors. If we are having less and less influence in the world as a capital C church, it could be that it's because we have forgotten our core values as the church. We're here to serve others. We're not here to serve ourselves. But I think that even those of us who have the notion that Christianity centers in service need to realize that there's a vast difference between the way most of us serve and Jesus' call to be a servant. Most of us serve by choosing when and whom and how and where we will serve and with who will do that. We stay in charge. But Jesus is calling for something else. He's calling us to be servants. And when we make this choice, we give up the right to be in charge. Then amazingly, We experience great freedom. We become available and vulnerable. We lose our fear of being stepped on or manipulated or being taken advantage of. And aren't these our fears? But what joy comes, what energizing of life when we act out of a desire to be a servant. Rather than a pride-producing choice to serve now and then and when we please. Or if I can only serve in this way. But this is the paradox of the Christian gospel, that the last become first, the humbled are exalted, the servant becomes Lord, the poor becomes rich. The Beatitudes of Jesus, which express all that, is a catalog of the way things are turned upside down and inside out in the economy of God's kingdom. So Jesus' enunciation of the humble being exalted was gloriously fulfilled in his own case. And after he ascended, after the resurrection, and now sits at God's right hand, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's who Jesus is. And who he is determines who we are. If we're going to be Christians and follow him. So my friends, let this mind be in you that is in Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, who bowed low, who emptied himself and became a servant. Let this mind be in you. Then we will see and know and share with God. As we become servants of the servant who is Lord, we're called to serve. How is your serve? How is your serve? What does that look like in your life today? I'll call up the worship team at this time. I want to close here with a few action steps for you. and This is not all inclusive. I think they'll be up on the screen for you. There are five of them. And the first two I mentioned earlier, I said identify your gifts and talents and offer them up to the church or wherever your context is. Volunteer for church events and outreach programs. 
Three, reflect daily on the humility of Christ and ask God to cultivate a servant's heart within you. Four, practice small acts of service in your daily life, like helping a neighbor or offering a listening ear to someone in need. Be attentive to the needs around you, ready to offer help, whether it's a kind word, a meal, or practical assistance. And so in conclusion, service is the very essence of our Christian calling. We're to lay down our lives for one another. It's not about the grandeur of our actions, but the love and humility with which we carry them out. As we go forth from here today, let us remember that in serving others, we serve Christ himself in doing so. Let us be the hands and feet of Jesus, reaching out to our church community and beyond. May our service be a living testimony of God's love in this world. Let's be effective servants embodying the love and humility of Christ in all we do. Amen? Let's serve each other well, church. Let's continue to lay down our lives as Christ did to the world around us so that through us, we may be able to point them to our Lord. Amen? Would you stand with me?